Well, hopefully you've got the, the passage on the inside of the bulletin. Follow that. Big passage, small amount of notes today, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah, but follow along. I was talking to one of the grandmas at uh, our preschool morning tea, uh, Mother's Day morning tea this week. Uh, she said her grandson had been watching the coronation of King Charles. Uh, when his parents explained that this meant Charles was now the king, her grandson said, no, Charles isn't the king, Jesus is the king. Uh, two very different styles of kingship. Uh, we watched the coronation of King Charles. Everyone celebrated. But will life be better for the British people? Will all that wealth on display uh, mean that their life will improve for the average person? Because they need it. England is struggling with a cost of living crisis. High unemployment, high costs of food and fuel and interest rates. Sure, there were street parties to celebrate the king, but perhaps I wonder whether that was just to forget their problems, at least for some. The next day, everything returned to normal and nothing had changed. In fact, with the news that the coronation may have cost the British government £100 million, <laughs> the coronation of King Charles arguably could make life harder for people. Now, contrast that with King Jesus. Uh, he, he arrives, he announces that the kingdom of God has arrived and that he's turning everything upside down. Good news for the poor, freedom for prisoners, sight for the blind, release for the oppressed. Now that's what we've seen him doing in chapters 4 and 5 of Luke over the last few weeks. And he does it again in chapter 6 today. Have a look there from verse 17. There are all sorts of people who are healed. The kingdom of God has arrived. Uh, look who he invites to be part of this new kingdom. From verse 12, uh, Jesus is in prayer. He has big decisions to make. So he goes up on a mountain to meet with God. He spends the night there. And when he comes down the next morning, he calls all the disciples together and then he chooses 12 of them. And he calls them apostles, which means chosen ones or sent ones. And then he comes down from the mountain and he teaches them his law about his kingdom. Just like Moses, centuries earlier, who came down from a mountain as well, down to the 12 tribes of Israel, and he came down with God's law written on stone tablets. Now here is Jesus introducing God's kingdom, version 2, or complete. It's like the old one, but better. He's the teacher, the leader, the king. He has 12 new assistants and a new law. It is a new kingdom. It is a new Israel. It's the dawning of a new day. But did you notice that it's also more than the old Israel? It's more than the old Israel. They arrive on the plane and notice who's waiting for them. There in verse 17. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coast of Tyre and Sidon. 
Now, there's not just Jews waiting for Jesus, there are Gentiles here as well, non-Jews. It is a whole new group of people. That's who Jesus' new kingdom is part of, from every nation. Because Jesus is much more than just a Jewish Messiah, a Jewish teacher. Now, that's great news for us. 2,000 years later, here we are from all sorts of nations. We can be part of God's of Jesus' kingdom as well. Now that's just a taste because into eternity it will be even better than that. Uh, Revelation chapter 7 describes heaven. It, it describes a great multitude from every tribe and nation and people and language and they're all giving praise to God, to the Lamb who is Jesus. And there'll be healing and freedom when Jesus uh, that, that Jesus promises and delivers as well. That healing and freedom will be part of uh, eternity as well. Uh, look there, verse 16 of Revelation 7, describing all the nations who are gathered around Jesus. Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb, that's Jesus, at the centre of the throne will be their shepherd, He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's God's new kingdom. Healing, comfort, satisfaction with no more tears. That's blessing. Now that's great news for the people who are listening to Jesus back on that dusty plain in Palestine. Because for that crowd, life is anything but blessing. Have a look there from verse 18. There's a large crowd. There are all, there's all sorts of darkness and trouble. There are diseases and evil spirits. They're hopeless and desperate. And they're looking to Jesus for help. And in verse 19, Jesus cures them all. We read that power was coming from him and healing everyone because the kingdom of God has arrived in the person of Jesus. But not just in his actions. Jesus speaks to the people and he gives them hope for the future. Yes, the kingdom of God is arriving now, he says, but it's only the beginning. There are much better things ahead. And so verse 20, he gives them a vision for what God's kingdom is like now. He he says, in God's kingdom you need to redefine what blessing is. You who are poor, you're blessed because the kingdom of God is yours. And you hungry people, you're blessed too because satisfaction is coming. Same with those of you over there who are weeping now. Whatever the reason, the day is coming when you'll laugh. And those of you who are being persecuted because you're following me, rejoice, because it won't always be like this. Verse 23, your reward in heaven will be great. And notice the key to being part of the blessing of that kingdom is to know the king, or the son of man, as Jesus calls himself in verse 22. If you're persecuted because of the son of man. And it's not just every poor, hungry or persecuted person who is blessed, who will be rewarded in heaven. 
It's, it's particularly those who are persecuted because of the Son of Man. And, and notice who Jesus is speaking to here in verse 20. Uh, looking at his disciples, his followers, he said, blessed are you. This is not a speech about ending world poverty in general. It's about particularly redefining what blessing is for those who follow Jesus. He goes on, even if you're hungry, if you're weeping, hated, excluded, insulted, rejected because of the Son of Man, you're blessed. Because Jesus will comfort you and vindicate you and satisfy you and bring you justice and give you the strength to persevere. Jesus says that's the way to look at the world. That's the way God looks at his world. And Jesus invites us to see the world as God sees it. To see beyond the visible to the invisible. Beyond the present into the future. Because things aren't always what they seem. Now if we can begin to do that, to, to see the world the way God does, it, it'll actually transform the way we think about life. It'll transform how we treat people. Transform the way we think about suffering and money and gratitude and joy. It sounds so upside down what Jesus says here. It's the complete opposite of what Moses taught. He was the first person to come down to Israel from the mountain with God's law. Back in Deuteronomy 28, just to give you a, a little selection of what Moses taught. He comes down from the mountain after meeting with God and Moses talks about blessings as well. Listen to what he says about blessings. If you fully obey the Lord your God, all these blessings will come upon you. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed you will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. It's a pretty standard view. Material success equals blessing. That's what most of the people listening to Jesus would have thought. Material success equals blessing. Two people listening to Jesus that day. One wearing fine clothes with a full stomach and a healthy family. The other in rags, with red eyes from crying, thin and malnourished, all alone. Who is blessed by God? Who is the kingdom man? Who is on God's side? Well, it's easy, isn't it? It's the one with all the stuff. The health, the wealth, the food, the family. But Jesus says no. That is not the way God sees things. God stands outside of time. He sees things through the lens of his kingdom. Jesus says real blessing, eternal blessing, comes from knowing Jesus. When he gives forgiveness and comfort and healing and hope, and the earthly blessings, they're just that. 
They're nothing more. They're temporary shadows. They're smoke. If you are only focused on this life and not on obeying God, on the future kingdom of God, the impact of eternity, then what you have now, that's all you have. You've been paid in full. That's what Jesus goes on to describe with his woes from verse 24. But woe to you who are rich, for you've already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Sure, life is fine now, but that's as good as it gets. Jesus' point, don't look to those things. Don't love those things. Don't envy people who have those things. Because those things are of far less value than the blessing that Jesus promises when you know him. But it's tough to do that, isn't it? It's tough, especially when your life is good. This is a challenge for us. I think it's hard, though, because we forget who Jesus is speaking to. He's speaking to the oppressed. He's speaking to the sick and the imprisoned and the hungry. And so these words of his, this kingdom vision, it's a comfort. It's an encouragement. As much as it is a challenge for us. Are you seeing things the way Jesus sees them? Well, like any good preacher, Jesus moves on from teaching to application. From the way things are to what you should do. He's invited us to see as God sees. Now he calls us to act as God acts. From verse 27, kingdom behaviour. But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who uh, curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. The world says, pay back, get even, do unto them before they do it to you. But that's seeing things according to the world. Instead, we are to see things according to God's kingdom. We are called to do the hard thing rather than the easy thing. We are called to love those who steal your car or disagree with everything you say or ridicule you. We are called to bless those who gossip about you, who drag your name through the mud. We are called to pray for people who abuse your trust, who treat you like a fool, who betray you. And verse 30, when it comes to lending your things, don't worry about when or if or how much. That's petty. That's short term. That's thinking the way the world thinks. That's thinking that blessing comes from riches. God's kingdom is much more important than getting your possessions returned. Verse 32, this world loves those who love them. It's easy. 
This world lands when a return is guaranteed. This world does good when you know you'll be repaid. That's easy, but it's not eternity. Love, bless, pray, give. They're the actions of the king of eternity. Live like him. It's hard, isn't it, though? It's almost impossible to act like this, though, isn't it? Don't you think? Our instinct to hold on to our things, the instinct to defend our self-respect, to pay back, it's so strong in us. And so Jesus goes on to give us a promise and an encouragement. A promise and an encouragement. Look at verse 35. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. In verse 38, that reward's described as, as an abundance of God's generosity. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use it will be measured to you. When we are generous and loving and merciful and forgiving, then God will be like that with us. We will be paid back in kind, but better. Like the generous shopkeeper who, who throws in another half bag of bananas or who squashes down the potato salad into that plastic container so you really get your money's worth. Don't you love that? There will be no half measures with God. He'll give it all back to us abundantly. God will be no one's debtor. That is living now with one eye on eternity. That's seeing God's kingdom. Forget earthly rewards. Live for the eternal prize, which is so much better. So that's the promise to help us. Now here's the encouragement at the end of verse 35. Do these things, verse 35, and you will be sons of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. To be a son of something means to be like your father. Like father, like son. As we begin to view, see the world the way God does, as we begin to make choices based on how we see the world, we actually grow more like God himself. Our character changes. When we live out his kingdom now, we're actually beginning to practice what we will do for eternity. We're getting in shape now for eternity as we begin to live like Jesus. Like training for a marathon. You do the training now, and when you actually run it, you'll be ready. We begin also to model God to the world. We begin to display his character for the world to experience and benefit from. Well, that's the end of Jesus' sermon, sort of. He hasn't quite finished yet because... He knows what sort of listeners 
we are. We like to have our ears tickled. We like to enjoy stories and then walk away and enjoy coffee and move on. We like to keep what we hear at a distance and not do anything about it. And so Jesus lists four mistakes that we can make as hearers. Four wrong ways of listening. I think that's the best way to take these next ten verses. Uh, in verse 39, Jesus uh, tells, uh, says that he's going to tell them one parable. But then he proceeds to tell them four. Four short stories. So I think we have to try and find some common thread between all four. So I think what we've got here is four traps for hearers. Four traps for hearers. First trap. Uh, we can fail to listen by criticising the teacher. It's a mistake to focus on the teacher rather than his message. Verse 39, he also told them this parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Now, lots of ways to understand this. Here's what I think. The teacher is Jesus. And some people are dismissing Jesus. I'm not going to listen to Jesus. Uh, they say, he's just a blind man. But that's making a mistake, says Jesus. Verse 40, a student's job is not to hold scores up for the teacher, to rate his performance. That's not hearing, that's not learning. A student's job is to follow the teacher, to become fully trained, to be like the teacher. I think sometimes we fall into that trap uh, as we listen to sermons. Uh, we focus on whether the sermon is interesting or whether we've learned something new or exciting rather than humbly sitting under the passage. Or maybe you say to yourself, well, I'm not going to listen to Dave. You know, we know what Dave's like. He's a hypocrite. He's critical or he's, you know proud or whatever. So I'm not going to bother listening to what he says about God's word. Jesus says we're to be careful that we don't focus on the teacher or criticise the teacher rather than listening to the message. So are you hearing? Are you becoming like your teacher? The second mistake is to focus on others instead of ourselves. This is the story about the man with the plank in his eye trying to help out his friend with a speck of sawdust. We sometimes wonder whether Jesus had a sense of humour. I think here's another example. I think he said this with a smile on his face. Can you imagine someone with a plank coming out of their eye? You know, the cartoonists among us would love to draw that, wouldn't it? It'd just make you laugh. But the point is, how often do you hear a sermon or read a Bible verse and you think, that's just what Mary needs to hear? She's got a problem with anger or lust or laziness or greed or whatever it is. And you completely miss the point. This is God speaking to you. You are the one who has a problem with anger or lust or laziness or greed. It is a real problem for those of us who have the job of teaching people the Bible. 
Because we read it and we think, oh, this will be really good. I can use it to, in this situation or that situation. That's not hearing. And so Jesus warns, first, take the plank out of your eye. That's where your attention needs to be first. Are you hearing? Third mistake. Jesus says it's a mistake to focus on your actions but not your attitudes. People like that are so intent on doing the right thing and making sure people see that they're doing the right thing and comparing themselves to others that the motive behind the action gets forgotten. Jesus is never interested in right actions without a heart being right first. The Old Testament is full of that criticism. When we do, all the actions become self-centred. The actions become about earning your salvation. It becomes human-centred religion. It is the heart that counts. Make sure that is right. The fruit will follow. Uh, There in verse 43, he talks about good trees bear good fruit. You don't get figs from thorn bushes. It's impossible. It's the same with people. You don't get good actions from a rotten heart. Verse 45. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, his mouth speaks. Get your heart right first. You will never get good actions or words if your heart is rotten. It begins with loving Jesus, with repenting of your sin, rejoicing in him, gratefully recognising God's goodness. That is the key. Your hands follow your heart. Your actions follow your affections. This is why the first half of Jesus' sermon was about how to view the kingdom on recognising what true blessing is. That is what gives you the fuel and the power to love your enemies, to forgive those who hurt you, to bless those who curse you, to lend to those who can't pay you back. It begins with your heart. We've been given so much more by God. We have a good measure pressed down, shaken together and running into our lap. So don't walk away from today focusing on the actions you have to do. Giving your cloak and tunic away. Letting people slap you on both cheeks. And and taking advantage of you. That's my goal for the week, to be taken advantage of. That's not the point. You're forgetting that the attitude comes first. A heart that is right before God. Are you listening? And finally, Jesus has the story for those who love to listen but never do. They call Jesus Lord, Lord, but their faith is built on nothing, on quicksand. In other words, it's not true faith at all. And when judgment comes, they will be swept away, like a house built on sand with no foundations. Maybe the best-looking house in the street from the outside but worthless in a flood. Is that what your life is like? Impressive on the outside, 
but built on sand. Nothing solid underneath. If that is you, then hear Jesus. Verse 47, I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He's like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. Woe to you who are rich now because you've already received your comfort. May we be people who see the King, who come to Jesus, who hear what he says and do it so that when the waves crash against us and we feel like giving up and letting go, we won't be shaken. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus' words. Help us firstly to see this world the way you do, to recognise true blessing to recognise this world for what it is, temporary and passing. Help us to see Jesus, to hear his words and to obey them. Amen.